You're listening to episode 45 of the Video Game Pals. Uh, this is a show about things and stuff and how it all makes us feel, I think. <laughs> Very Pete-like. <laughs> there you go. 10 out of 10. This, thank you, thank you. Uh, this is the voice of Sean. Obviously, that's weird because I don't host this show. But I do today <laughs> because Pete is gone and so is Andy. And yeah. so... I guess they felt like I was the only one capable of hosting this, although I feel like Peggy could have done the job. Uh, Thompson, I Pete mean, He doesn't he's... trust me enough. <laughs> I'd prefer one of you do it. It's okay. <laughs> right. Tommy and Thompson, he lives in the shadows. He just pops out yes. whenever, uh, whenever he's summoned. <laughs> I'm here when you need me, but... <laughs> uh, Pete would normally do intros. Um... I don't do those, so I guess we won't do them. Hang on, I got you. What's up, internet? All right. Oh, that was spot on. Thank you. Wow. That, that yeah, that was perfect. Uh, you are right. welcome. I've been practicing. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, that was your moment to shine. Thank you. That's it. All right. Bye, guys. No. <laughs> All right. So I think he refers to uh, you, Peggy, as the eSports Dynamo. That is that is correct. It is an, an, an exact quote. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, hello to you. Hello. And uh, Thompson is, oh, yes, the edgelord with a heart of gold. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I've, I've and... come to enjoy that term a lot. Thank you. Good. So we'll keep it rolling then. And I, I am the guild master himself, Mister Sean Bartley. Yes, yes. Uh, welcome to the show. Hopefully, we can put on a quality product in light of the fact that Pete and Andy are absent. Although, quite frankly, I kind of feel like this is the superior product, and maybe <laughs> we should vote them off the island. What do you guys think? The cream yeah, always right. rises to Done. the top. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so let's let's prove to the world what we can do. And we're going to start with a random question, uh, which means it's time for the random question of the week, whatever. It's um, time for the random question of the week! Uh, <laughs> and we've got pseudo Pete over here as well. That's an insult to Pete, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, you're our soundboard for him, so it's yeah, going to be great. We should do that. We should get oh, Pete soundboard. Pete soundboard. I can yeah. do that. Wow. You can do no that. Problem. Let's talk about that. We gotta. We gotta discuss that. Uh, so a little later on, we're gonna be talking about the ESRB uh, putting labels on games that have in-app purchases, right? And uh, DLC gets a ton of flack from people, and we've you know crapped on DLC a lot on the show, but. I wanted to take this opportunity to ask you guys about your favorite downloadable content ever. So, a piece of DLC that you really like. Hmm. This is where we find out she's never liked one ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no, the existential crisis is kicking in. <laughs> what do I do? No. Uh... I do have one, though. Um, Go for it. Simply enough, the one that came out with Last of Us, I don't remember the name of the DLC. But whatever that was, just like you could have given me uh, 10 seconds and just an image and I would have bought it and loved it. So the fact that it was a, a real thing with like pretty much its own story and everything was connected. Perfect. You know, um, 
like I remember getting that saying something like this is this is DLC like this is something I could buy every time and that was yeah. uh like what five years ago at this point now four years ago maybe so like hey they make them good sometimes you know but the last Definitely. of us one yeah that's cool um Peggy do you have any uh <clears throat> for a second I was like I don't remember any good ones and then I remembered uh Destiny's uh Crota that entire thing like oryx and all of that i forget what it's actually called but uh but like the final dlc in destiny was so much fun mostly because i was playing with an entire group so like our clan got to go through the raid and we got to figure it out ourselves and and it was really fun to play with those guys and and it still is of course but like that was like the heyday of when we played destiny and um mm. just crota and oryx itself was just so much I think it is orcs yeah the orcs raid was just so much fun to do because it took forever we got stuck on gomergon for like weeks wow. weeks because we suck but also like <laughs> it was just like it was always fun to do that and like try to figure everything out and like once we finally did it it was just such a relief and just such a like a yeah like it was such a boon to the to the, like the week it was awesome but um but yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. I know my my friends had a lot of fun with that that ex- that final expansion for Destiny. Or was it the final? It was not the final. No, it wasn't the final. Siva was the final. So the one before that was was just so much fun. Siva, by the way, was also really really fun to do as well because that one was the one that we actually went in purely blind. We had a couple of of like hints for Oryx, but this that one we went in blind as well. And the Destiny two one is good too. Anyway, yeah. So uh, the DLC, the last. Uh, I'll explain it to the last two DLC for Destiny were probably my favorites of all time. Awesome. Yeah, didn't that game have, uh, like, a real problem in the beginning, and then once the DLC came out, it became good? Then they got their shit together, yeah. that That's exactly mm. it. And that's the same for, for D2, as far as I can tell, at least. That's, that's a shame. Yeah. You would think that they would get it right after the yeah. first one. Like, we were all really excited for it, and then I don't think we've played it in at least three months around there wow. just because mm-hmm. like it they they didn't really add anything new and like yeah the crimson days thing happened but like no one cares and then um it's just like we're just waiting for the newest expansion that's really it. osiris came out but it didn't really do anything so like it was like what's what's the point like it was an extra like five hours of of content and that was it no raid nothing like that so mm. that's yeah that's, that's a shame that's no good yeah right? everyone i know is kind of express the same same thing to me yeah so maybe the next one will be better but like in the meantime the last two dlcs from destiny were were top notch the Mm. original destiny uh so this was a tough one just because i don't really i don't really engage a lot with downloadable content typically i've dropped off a game before the first set of dlc comes out um, I know one game that you were famous for, in which that is not the case. What game is that? Isn't WoW just really just DLC after DLC after DLC after DLC? Oh well, if you if you count if you I suppose I, like if you count expansions, I guess in my mind expansions aren't DLC. Well, um, for me, they aren't. But I mean, I remember really? Blizzard used to like are. specifically release something like brood war and it was like this is an expansion you know it's like it's a whole thing and i always felt like the wow ones were like that because it's like kind of like a new game you know right yeah like but don't you still have to pay for it in order to get to it yeah but i mean 
you pay in order to get to it, but I guess like I come from a time where like I I still go to the store to buy the the actual boxed game. So to oh, me, that's me. not yeah. Sean. I love you. <laughs> it's like, I, I love getting. I haven't seen one in a while that I could, but I love getting the box game. You know. Yeah. So I I guess that that impacts the way that I think about it. But I just I don't see those as DLC. Uh, okay. So if discounting that. Um, my answer is the Injustice 2 DLC. Nice. Uh, I yeah. love all the characters that they put out. I think that's awesome. And then all the different skins. Uh, the Bizarro skin's really cool. So I, I just really love what they did with that game. And I feel like the content that they offered through the DLCs uh, um, really has like expanded the lifespan of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in really cool ways. So... Uh, hats off to them for that one. Uh, other than that, though, honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything. I, I, I don't know. It's DLC is a complicated. Uh, it's a complicated beast. And, Game's uh, got to be good enough to keep your attention, and then you know, for you to throw more money at it. And it's a lot of criteria, especially nowadays when we just want to like get the good games out of the way. Let <laughs> alone yeah. go back to ones like I fucking love Zelda: The Breath of the Wild. I don't have the DLC for it. I just. Don't have time to go back for it. You know? Basically, yeah. Right. You're busy with other games. Yeah. You're busy with life. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. It's um, so, if you want to send in your random question of the week to us or buy or sell or anything else, plenty of ways you can get us. Uh, we are on iTunes or Apple At- Podcasts, <laughs> I should say. Uh, where Something like that. <laughs> we are a five-star rated uh, podcast. You can... Add to that if you would like, especially after this episode. Come on, let's keep it real. Uh, <laughs> we are at the Comics Pals all over social media, so you can hit us up on there. You can write to us at the video game pals at gmail.com, where we may or may not read your stuff on the air. It depends on whether or not we'd like your username. Uh, and we are on YouTube. Where if you're watching this on YouTube, you can like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content. Uh, This week, what I want to mention to you guys is that we still have our Top 5 Couples in Comics video that's circulating. We did that over at the Comics Pals, uh, so you can check that out. Leave us a a like. It helps us out a lot. And of course, subscribe to our channel. Um, And stay tuned, because there's a lot more really cool exclusive YouTube content on the horizon. So... You definitely want to stick around with us for that. All right, let's jump into the news. The news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. All right, so Detroit Become Human is probably the most controversial game that's on the horizon right now. Uh, And as it turns out, we finally have a release date as the game will be coming out on May 25th. Hi. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. Close than I expected. Pretty. Sorry. <laughs> Are you guys excited for this game? Yeah, I am. I mean, I am, but after all the shit that happened, I don't, I don't, I have very weird <sighs> feelings about it. Um, I'm actually really, like, the game itself looks so cool, and I really want to play it, but it's, uh, it's an interesting conundrum that we have here. Yeah, um, I'm I'm excited for this game. It's kind of fallen off my radar a little bit, uh, 
but I'm still I'm still anticipating it. This was like my number one or two on the list for a long time, and now it, it's definitely gone down a bit. Um, I'm still thoroughly excited for like the game, but it's just one of those things that like I do feel a little weird wanting this game, knowing all the crap around it. It was the same thing with Metal Gear Survive when I got that. It's like I, I you know, that was going to be a shitty game. I figured, but. I didn't really want to support Konami, but I wanted the game. So it's like one of those things that sometimes I just want to buy a game just for the game. You know, I don't want to try to remember all the crap in between, you know. So mm-hmm. as far as this one goes, when I do get it, it's more like I just want to enjoy a good game, you know. Um, I just want to try to remove it from all the negative stuff that's been going on and just try to see the game for the game's sake, you know. Um but unfortunately that it's still even, you know, trying to do that, it has pushed it down my list a little bit and uh, I may not get it right away, unfortunately. So um, we'll see. It looks great. It's just uh, the history of these these games. You know, I've I've played most of them up to this point. Uh, the David Cage uh, storyline kind of games, and uh, I, I'm like one of the only people that really just universally seems to like them no matter what. But um, I haven't played them in a long time, so it could be that my tastes have changed, and I could go back and hate them all. So. <laughs> um, I, I don't see this being on that level. It's just, um, it would be interesting to see if this really can like pull away from its, you know, stigma and people enjoy it for what it is. And maybe, maybe it's something really great. You know, maybe we're looking at something special, but the release date being pretty close, you know, um, I did not expect what, April 25th, you said, or April, uh, some May, May, May um, 25th. Yeah. Well, only a month later, but still, I was thinking more like September, you know, that kind of time. Um, it, it didn't seem like it was ready, you know, from the trailers we've seen, but maybe they're rolling out. They pulled a little fallout on us, so. So, everybody is, you know, fine with the release date. What people don't seem to be fine with is the box art for the video game, which people are okay. going as far as to call it the one of the worst pieces of box art <laughs> for a major game in recent memory. Really? Yeah, uh, so I'll I'll send you guys a link. I mean, honestly, it's it's uh, it's not as bad as everyone's making it out to be in my eyes, but um, people have some serious problems with the box art. So uh, we'll have a link to it for you guys in the description. But just to give you guys an idea of what it is, uh, it's actually a very tight shot on the face of the character in the game that Jesse Williams is playing. The character is Marcus, um, who's like the leader of, of the Android Rebellion. Um, and, you know, it's, it's Jesse Williams, right? Like a reasonably attractive person. So uh, there's that it has that going for it. But I guess it's so tight. It's such a tight shot that people are uncomfortable with it. Um, are you? Can you guys see this? Yeah, you- I, this isn't bad this isn't terrible i mean it's not good it's just a face but like i don't think it's terrible yeah i feel like this is one of those instances where we're just kind of nitpicking i don't know i mean it's just like it's a piece of box art it shows that he's an android it shows the city behind him i think it does what it needs to do it's not like anything to write home about but it's all it's box art uh, Polygon's article, Detroit Become Humans cover art is uncomfortably bad. And then the subtitle is, it's 
not great. But it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't seem that terrible to be honest. I think the entire point is that you're trying to get a close up on him to show that he isn't human. Right. At yeah. least like, you know, not he has scars on his face or like it looks like scars but it's actually like parts. Right. And I th- I think it gets the job done. Although I don't understand why it's only on that side of the face, not anywhere else. And that's where the little uh, chip thing on the side of the head. You know, yeah, how they, they yeah, that's where they show that everyone's an android in this in these game trailers at least. Um, yeah, but I feel like if you have those parts like on and like around his eye and and like cheek, basically, uh, why don't you have like a little bit on the forehead or whatever? Because I feel like it pops out like Five Nights at Freddy style, but that, that just might be me. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Like those simple <laughs> fixes would make it better, and that's why it's not a great piece of art, but mm-hmm. eh, it's functional. I also think they they really wanted to get the city behind them. Yeah. Um, That's the best part of it. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of angle. So, I I don't know. I get it. I've seen worse box art than this. And if if this wasn't um, mentioned in the article, I would never have seen this and thought, wow, that's horrible. Yeah. Right. Unless it was, like, told to me, kind of, almost. Right. Exactly. It's just kind of, you know, an overreaction. Yep. Um, So, moving on. Uh, The ESRB has announced that its content labeling system will add a label for in-app purchases. So we've been talking a lot lately about microtransactions and things like that that have people really, really up in arms lately. And uh, so now we're going to have a label that's going to stop everything. It's going to solve all the problems <laughs> because now games will have these labels on them. Uh, so this is going to apply to bonus levels, skins, surprise items. Uh, so like loot boxes and mystery rewards and things like that. Uh, music, virtual coins, and other forms of end game currency, subscriptions, season passes, and upgrades. Uh, and it doesn't differentiate between microtransactions and full-size expansions. So, game like games like WoW, for example, would be affected by this. Um, and the SRB says that this is meant to let parents know what they can expect in the game, and not really intended for adults. Uh, so what do you guys think about this? Is this even useful? Does this help anything? Every single game is going to have this logo, label rather, every single game. And it's like, I think it's too broad. If you said there's a warning for microtransactions and then a warning for DLC or expansions or whatever you want to call it, I think that would be way more beneficial because uh, a game can have microtransactions throughout the entire thing, but no DLC, but you can't tell from this label. And I think that is that is the problem here, because um, saying that it has paid content is just saying that it's a game at this point. Like that's that's how <laughs> every single game works at this point. So it's just it's it's arbitrary. I think is the right word for it. It's yeah. just Also known as stupid for this label <laughs> to be there when it's just so broad. If they specified it to. Uh, this has microtransactions versus this is DLC or this is expansions or however you want to organize that. Um, that would be so much more useful, so much more useful. But just label, but just like slapping a paid content label on it is not going to do anything. This lumps a mobile game with WoW together. So yeah, 
if you if you want to go by this, uh, the only thing I could say is it would probably be a good stepping stone, maybe because they're saying that it's a uh, you know for parents maybe they're worried that like if we put specifically DLC or microtransactions they'll be like well parents don't know anything so we just got to keep it broad. Um, it's a good stepping stone to jump into other things. That's the only argument I could see them using to not make it so specific, but it doesn't do anything for the rest of us. But then cause... parents should be able to actually like. Oh, they should parents be. Should be interested in this shit. They sh- parents I mean, should they should know be, what microtransactions but... are. Parents should know what their kids are playing. Should know what kind of things that their wallet might end up taking. You know that they might have to put their wallet to. Because if you're saying parents don't know anything on microtransactions, those are bad parents. Sorry to say it, but if your parent is not interested enough to not know about that and not to take at least a little bit of interest in it, Godspeed. But, like, it's just not... It's parent... And I'm actually really sick of that entire argument of people saying, oh, well, the parents don't know it, so we shouldn't say, or or something like that. You weren't saying that specifically. That's just something that I've heard throughout you know years of this like parents need to take a better interest in their in their kids works and or like their kids and that sort of thing because it's going to come back to bite them in the end and sometimes it's going to come and bite them in the wallet because they're not going to know what microtransactions are when it's literally a google search away i know they know how to use that so it's just like cut the shit (laughs) actually like do something and stop being fucking lazy and then falling back on the ESRB or some sort of government-regulated label for something that you should know in the first place. Well, to your point, uh, the ESRB president, Patricia Vance, had this to say on exactly that topic. I'm sure you're all asking why we aren't doing something more specific to loot boxes. We've done a lot of research over the past several weeks and months, particularly among parents. What we've learned is that a large majority of parents don't know what a loot box is. Even those who claim they do don't really understand what a loot box is. So it's very important for us to not harp on loot boxes per se, to make sure that we're capturing loot boxes, but also other in-game transactions. Which you can do with the microtransaction label. I'm not saying to just loot boxes or something. I'm saying make it more general than loot boxes because there's so much more to do with that. And plus, I feel like companies can get around that by saying it's not a loot box, it's a mystery crate or something like that. (laughs) Um, By saying microtransactions, you're hitting all the points, but you're not being too general that you're including like DLC and actual like expanded content that's uh, not aesthetics but instead is like storytelling expansions and that sort of thing. I just, I, parents need to stop being lazy and I think the ESRB could do something a little bit more. But like, like Thompson said, this is actually a really good stepping stone and you know, kudos to them. But it could be, could be a little bit more. Maybe this is like level one and eventually we'll get to level two. Cause I feel like it's, it's a pretty natural progression for that to happen. But, but yeah, parents need to get off their asses and actually learn this shit. You know, I, I gotta be honest. I really, I, I really am lost as to what what is the goal here, right? So mm-hmm. if you're if you're admitting that parents don't know what what a loot box is, if you're admitting that they don't understand these things, then what is the ESRB aiming to do? Cover yeah, their bases? Yeah, mm-hmm. like what like what's the point of this? Um, if like if we're trying to educate people, which should be the goal, because you know we need we need parents to know what the, what their kids are getting themselves into if that's the goal this doesn't solve that they she clearly admits that this is kept simple on purpose uh so 
why isn't there some place you can direct parents to to get the information that they need or something comprehensive so that parents who really care can can figure this thing out or or maybe it's a, a matter of slipping in a, a leaflet in games that that contain legitimate microtransactions to say hey this is what a microtransaction is give this to your parent or whatever that to me makes more sense than simply saying this game contains microtransactions which is something that nobody gets people who don't play games don't get what that means so yeah i agree I man uh i i totally agree with you i i'm not trying to be too cynical about this but i don't believe they did it for the parents i believe they did it just as a band-aid so the companies can figure out what they want to do with this whole situation because you know there's like lawmakers and stuff have been looking at this and right and loot boxes have just been in the news so much and i'm almost fairly certain at this point that they didn't do this for the parents you know i think they just want to keep the ball rolling so that we don't have to put laws into place and they want to you know do this and then someone says well why can't we do x or y add on to it and sure we'll do that too great now no one's getting involved you know no laws it's great we can still have loot boxes as long as we label it you know um whatever strategy they want to do i'm almost positive this wasn't really for us it was just to you know cover their ass but it could be a little too cynical about it It just like you said man if if they really wanted to educate us and stuff uh you know, both of you have made a very good point on that. It's like they really could have done a lot better job. So hopefully this is just the beginning. And even if they were just trying to cover their butts, it turns into something good. You know, um, I could just, just want to be positive on that because <laughs> because, yeah, like I and you and everyone that's on this show knows what we are talking about with the DLC microtransactions and stuff. Parents clearly don't. They said that they don't. Um, but it's so easy to just take one more step and just try to tell someone like, here's what this is versus this and you know loot boxes aren't expansions or dlc or you know it, it, it's really not that hard like a, they'll never print a leaflet because money but you know hey i'd love to see one back in games again that'd be awesome you know yeah <laughs> uh maybe we have game manuals again man like maybe <laughs> silver linings we'll get little books in our games. <laughs> hey yeah I, I i do have a question for you guys before we move on from the subject do you think that the problem with loot boxes and the problem with microtransactions is a problem for m- more for young people, so, you know, kids, or is it a problem for adults in the sense of, you know, we've all heard the story of, like, a mom who's furious because her kid, mm-hmm. you know, bought a bunch of in-app purchases on, on you know, on the yeah, mobile game. Seven right? grand later, yeah. Right. Yeah. But is that the is that the issue that we're all up in arms about, or is it a problem of adults not being able to regulate themselves with loot boxes, attributing it to gamblers' mentality, and a frustration on the part of gamers that every game has to include this type of content? Which one of those things is really the issue? Letter. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that's it, because even still, if 100 100- percent more uh stories came out of kids doing that uh the money's coming from the adults you know and like it's not that's those are the outliers that's why we get them in the news and mm-hmm. you know i mean to be fair the adults are the ones supporting the games you know like the bulk of that money uh regardless of one kid or two kids throw a couple grand at something it's going to be adults you know and um i i mean I, I personally don't have any problem with this stuff but i I don't. I don't even know anyone who does, but I mean, I feel bad if you you do have a, if this catches you, you know, and and you're you can't stop, say, buying loot boxes or something because something's you know going off in your head for that. It, that sucks, you know. Um, 
but I do think it is just a majority of people just saying that it's the gambler's mentality or something like that. And, um, it's got, it's gotta be, I mean, we just, we wouldn't get stories about kids doing that shit if it was normal, you know? Right. I mean, that's how I see it at least. And, and plus yeah. kids don't have credit cards. They got to take them. So <laughs> yeah, you got, you got to be like pretty good to get to that scenario where it's like, well, I've got my parents' credit card first. You know, that's right off the bat. That's hard to do for some kids. So yeah. Yeah. And like Peggy said, parents need to pay attention. Your kids stealing your card and putting grands on it. That sucks. <laughs> but at the or, same time, how or, did your kid know to do that? <laughs> it's like right. Or if like your kid, you're suddenly appalled that your kid is playing Call of Duty or some some like I don't know if Call of Duty is actually a M-rated game, but or who knows R-rated game, right? I think I think it's an R-rated game. Yeah. You got to be 18 to buy that. Yeah. If you're if you're so like shocked that your kid is is buying that, you know how he did that because he either had your what's it called like you set him up for a PSN, so he just went in through uh, what's it called like it has your uh, yeah the information just put it. in there yeah. yeah and you don't have parental controls on it or you didn't care what he was buying at GameStop so you just said yeah sure get it and that was it like you didn't look at the the art you didn't look at the cover you just said fine and then suddenly you're shocked when your kid's playing call of duty like this is something i've been like such like annoyed with for the past at least since i've started gaming because the entire thing is just you need to pay attention just pay attention to your kids it's not that hard i mean please this for me like people are going back now politicians are starting to say games uh make violence again this is the fucking 90s not that bullshit i'm just saying like this is the same shit i agree with you i've seen this since i was a child right Mm. the rating system didn't even really do anything when i was a kid it had to like come out and exist and now i'm looking you know like 20 years later and, and it's like we're only just now like catching up to even one part of this you know and and uh this this is crazy to me sometimes that like if I if I remember back and it's thinking like this has always been a stupid problem like stuff like this has always been a stupid problem, and the the gears of this moving twenty years slow you know <laughs> yeah um I really hope it works to be something better the fact that I think like the fact that they even threw this label on is actually a good step you know like now that I really think about it because like getting anything to happen is a big deal this may not be the best label but it's just you know kudos to them for actually doing something for once so there you go. <laughs> Oh well, man. Uh, I feel like we could talk about this forever. I think just, we could. I mean, we it's a can. No one's stopping us. That's true. It is a media right. subject. <laughs> You're right. So, so here's the thing. Uh, when I was a kid, I played Grand Theft Auto. Right? Oh, you know, okay. like, and everyone that I knew was playing Grand Theft Auto. And I'm not outside robbing people or stealing cars or killing people. You know, in game. Yes, in game. <laughs> In-game only. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an in-game murderer. Uh, but outside of the game, I'm pretty normal. Uh, for the most part. So, <laughs> I like, I understand why people don't want kids to play these kinds of games. I'm, I, I get all of that. But I don't think you can reasonably argue that, that, that Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto or whatever is responsible for a kid, you know... Do, doing any kind of violence in real life uh the same way that no one makes that argument really anymore about movies yep why is it that we're coming after violent video games but we're not making that same argument for movies which depict actual humans you know committing 
you know, atrocious acts. It's because it's the easiest, it's the easiest out. It's always been the easiest out. And the fact that parents don't know a lot about it also makes it an easy out. That's a great point. That's that's the entire thing. Because parents are like, oh, I'm seeing my kid, like, okay, my dad doesn't see me headshot a lot of people often. (laughs) Almost infamously so. But, like, parents parents are seeing their kids getting headshots on on people and like seeing some really violent stuff but they and it's just an easy jump to a conclusion that says oh this is what they're gonna want to do in real life and it's just it's a it's a lack of trust in the kid b it's a lack of fundamental understanding of the game itself and like of video games and c it's parents again not wanting to care about what their kid is doing online and therefore cannot like cannot jump to the reasonable conclusion of yeah it's a game but it's a game and your kid understands that and if they don't then there's there's other stuff involved but for the most part everyone i know has not shot up a school or has <laughs> not shot anything in real life like you know badly right you get it Hell, most people um, don't even fire a gun at a gun range even exactly for just, most know? people i know have never fired a gun at all and have no intentions to or an extremely uh like wanting of gun regulation and anti-NRA and all that jazz and and we play video games on the daily like it's not the games stop saying it's the games it's a really lazy and b i do feel like it's there people are kind of falling back to that argument because nothing else is working right now which is really a kudos to the to the kids who are uh, who are really fighting this because if the NRA has to go back to that archaic of an excuse that's a victory in and of itself like we can take the fight for the video game thing, no problem. But like, keep doing what you're doing, kids. That's, that's yeah, that's brilliant. Because like, just for me seeing this happen again, you know, two decades later, even it's yep. it's crazy to me that like we're still talking about this. Like, I thought we were over this, you know, part, and now nah, someone's ready to bring it out of the dirt. You know, like we're roll not, it out of the grave, pumping yeah. up with some CPR. Let's go. You know, like <laughs> we're not over it until there's another easier excuse for for them to try to defend that's Which, the thing. Yeah. if this is just yeah. really easy for them to fall back on and nothing else is working at this point so might as well just go back to ah oh, video games are really bad and it's also coinciding with esports starting to rise which i don't think there is that big of a coincidence um but yeah well, but I mean, like they, coincidence you know... sorry coincidence oh, no, being no, like no. esports are on the rise and now people are bringing this back i think it's more so because people are starting to see more like competitive video game and also just video games in general start to blow up a lot a lot more um, and that just kind of gave some idiot an idea of, hey, we can use this for our gun agenda. And that, that's how that worked. Yeah. And, and all that being said, if you're a parent and you don't want your kid playing, you know, M-rated games where they are shooting people with guns and whatnot, don't buy them the game. You know? Yeah. Like, it's pretty simple. That, that's um, all you got to do. That's it. That, that, it requires no action on your part, which I know a lot of parents are very good at. So just don't buy the game. That's it. It's pretty simple. That's a good way to end it, I think, actually. Yeah, it requires no action on your part. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of violence in games... Uh, don't why you gotta bring a why you gotta do that segue? <laughs> it's beautiful. All right, next. okay, okay. <laughs> Speaking of esports, all right. Uh, Overwatch has a brand new hero. What? Forget that. Thank you for saying her name because I was going to flub it. If I, um, I might have flubbed it a little bit, but it's fine. 
<laughs> so, but that's what we're going with, Brigetta. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, she is a brand new character coming to Overwatch. Uh, her debut trailer is super duper cool. Eek. I love the way that Blizzard puts these together. Um, but I am not astute enough when it comes to Overwatch to be able to tell you guys <laughs> uh, exactly what's going on with this character. But Peggy certainly is. She yeah. is sporting the cap, the Whoop. Overwatch cap, making her a pro. So, Peggy, <laughs> take it away. All right. So, Regetta is basically uh, Torb's daughter and Reinhardt's squire, because apparently that's a thing. Uh, so, she's the one who's like... Helping, uh, helping Reinhardt patch all of his armor together when he charges into something unnecessarily brashly. Uh, and then that got her thinking, like, oh, I can stop him from doing that. I can stop him from getting hurt before he makes the idiot mistake. So, with that, uh, we have our newest support hero, who is a support tank hybrid, basically. Uh, she's rated on one star out of three for the difficulty scale, so shouldn't be that hard to pick up. And her abilities are... The rocket flail, which is her her big mace thing, which has a chain that you can like throw things around. It's really cool. But uh, according to Overwatch's official website, the rocket flail uh, is Brigette's melee weapon, which has extended range, enabling her to strike multiple enemies with a single swing. Uh, her passive, as well, by the way, is uh, I don't think they actually say it on the on the website, but her passive is every time she gets a hit, the people around her, her allies, get healed, which is really nice. Um, so it forces her to be a lot more, uh, active and a lot more proactive and, and actually, like, fighting instead of standing in the back line, which is really cool. Uh, another one of her abilities, I believe this is her E ability, is the repair pack. Um, and Brigitte throws a repair pack that can heal an ally. Any healing over that ally's maximum health provides them with armor instead, which is really cool. And, you know, so you can overheal someone and it'll, uh... It'll register instead, so you can make some seriously beefy uh, DPS heroes if you have a Torb, a Symmetra, and a Brigetta all at once. If you want to do that, go for it. I'm just not going to play. Alright, so, Whipshot uh, is the shift ability, I think? But uh, uh, one of her alternate abilities. And according to the website, it's Brigetta throws her flail a long distance, dealing damage and knocking any enemy away from her. So it's the opposite of Roadhog's hook, where it pushes people away instead of bringing them closer, which I imagine would be really nice for, saying an, an ulting Zenyatta to get him out of the way for a little bit. Uh, booping people into the well on Ilios would be really cool, or just, like, environmental kills could be really interesting. Um, as well as maybe getting a, uh, getting a, uh, ulting Genji or something similar uh, a little bit farther away would be really, uh, really beneficial for your team. And then finally, her uh, her right click is her barrier shield, which is a smaller version of Reinhardt's shield. But she can also do a shield bash, which will uh, stun enemies that, that it hits. And it's actually a pretty long distance that she does the bash for. Uh, and it's actually uh, really, really anti-dive, for sure. Mm. Because if, say, Genji is showing up with his, uh, uh, with his Dragon Blade, you can just shield bash him and he'll be stunned for enough seconds for you and if anyone's around you your allies to uh to really take care of him and and kind of subdue him without him being a huge threat and finally her ultimate ability is rally in which brigetta moves faster and provides all nearby allies with armor that lasts until it's removed by damaged so her her repair pack uh armor eventually goes away like with time but the rally one stays until it's removed 
Can you stack so, them? Like two separate abilities, or do they count as one that just goes up to it? That's a good question. I actually don't know. But um, mm. but yeah, the rally ability is really nice for, uh, let's say you have an anchor tank like Orissa or Reinhardt, um, and everyone's kind of moving together, or you're on the payload or something like that, and uh, everyone's together, and your enemy Genji just pulled that dragon, that dragon blade. You can pull your rally to not only make your team survive that, but also have a little bit extra uh, HP moving into the next fight, which is very, very useful, especially in high in high play. So, all in all, Brigetta is really, really cool, and I've had a lot of fun like testing her out and playing her and all that. Um, extremely anti-dive extremely anti-dive uh i don't think she's going to be a a like must pick but i do think that she's going to be very useful with tanks like reinhardt i mean that makes sense lore wise but you know uh anything that has an anchor point anchor point or an anchor tank would be really really useful um so yeah, I think I think she's gonna be fun, and I'm really excited to see what the pros do with her. So uh, a couple questions. Go for it. One is she available now? She's available on PTR, um, which means she's a PC girl only, and then she uh, uh, will eventually move to the live servers. But I have no idea when that is. It shouldn't okay. be long though. And then also, is dive a problem in in Overwatch? Dive is a very common meta in Overwatch. So essentially, you have really fast-moving characters that can get in and get out quickly. Uh, Tracer, Genji, Diva, Winston, Zenyatta to uh, to a uh, degree, and Mercy are kind of like the the Lucio as well. Um, are like those dive heroes that need to get in, get out, and that's it. Um, so that is it's it's kind of like a, a really really fast hard hit. And then if you don't make it, get out quickly and you still can save time with a payload or a point to make sure that you are uh, you are still like in the running for the next fight. Um, it's a very powerful comp and it's always been a very powerful comp. So these heroes that are coming out to, to help with that anti-dive is really, really useful. Um, so I feel like Brigetta will be used if like a dive is really rolling over a team because um, she's such... Her, her kit is made for, for stopping tracers, genjis, people that uh, are really too fast for people to stop unless you have a god-tier Widowmaker. Um, and I do think that she's going to be used, as sp sp like, out of everything, I think she would be best used uh, with a team that's having a trouble or struggling with a dive comp. Okay. That's really cool, and I love when... Uh, competitive games like this release characters that are you know unique and cool and fun, but also serve as answers to problems that the, that the meta has. Yeah. So if if dive is a problem in the meta, then this character is a perfect solution to that, and I love that kind of introduction. I mean, I also think that one of the great things about Overwatch is that it's not necessarily a problem, as it is like it's just very common. Um, it's not like, oh, dive is so OP. It's really not. You can get over dives. Um, it's just a matter of coordinating a little bit better. And for those who don't have that coordination, or also just people who are really, really struggling with dive, I think Brigetta is a great choice for that. Awesome. So all you uh, Overwatch players out there have got a new character to uh, be on the lookout for. 
Yeah. And if you want to play it now, jump on the PTR, right? Yeah, if you have a PC. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my friends. My I'm the only one with a PC in my in like my group, like my Destiny group, the Aquaberry Six guys. Um and so I've been getting like House Brigetta, House Brigetta. I was like, you don't have a PC, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but yeah so so- sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving along uh yakuza 6 is a game that people are definitely excited about and I was so excited about it for like a while <laughs> for like how long was it up for two hours i was really excited for two hours <laughs> <laughs> Sega was oh. so excited to provide you guys with a demo of the game that they provided you with a demo of the entire game. Uh, yes. People noticed that the demo that they were downloading was 30 gigs, which is massive for a demo. And that's the because. The demo to date. <laughs> the demo was actually the full game. So uh, someone flubbed somewhere, somehow. Sega forgot to put up the wall that prevents you from getting through the rest of the game and uh, people were able to play for quite some time before uh, Sega caught on and uh, realized that uh, there was a problem. So Sega's been cool about it and uh, they you know, just sort of patch their mistake and aren't looking to ban anybody, so that's nice. Oh, good. Um, yeah. That's and, really and, nice. Yeah, nor should they because how are you supposed to, you know, how are you supposed to know <clears throat> that that you weren't supposed to go any further? Like, was there was there some kind of stop here that people could get around or was it just not there at all? It was just not there at all. From what I understand, yeah, they just kept going. So yeah. then how, how were people supposed to know? Um... I liked in the uh, in the Kotaku article they were just like yeah so some people just played and then just they just kept going and I feel like if I was playing Yakuza Six at that time I'd just be like this is really long like what what happened here what's going on and I would be really concerned but also like I would still play because I f- I feel like you know Sega is a big enough company for me to be like oh if there's a if there's like if I reach the end of the demo I'm gonna know it oh yeah. But, for sure. That's just hilarious. I, I just imagine people going, when does this stop? <laughs> like, I feel like this is a very long demo. Like, good on Sega and all, but, like, what's going on here? I actually had a very similar experience uh, a long time ago when they used to give out demo discs on the, the mail. Uh, I got a demo for what I thought was a demo for Deus Ex, the original Deus Ex. Uh, it was not a demo. It was the full game. Nice. Um, really? I, yeah, so I got Deus Ex for free when I was a kid. Um, I, I was playing and playing, and then I realized, you know, uh, a couple days later, I'm playing this demo for quite a while with a lot of saves, and <laughs> I'm really far. And then I realized this is no demo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, somebody in the mail for like a computer gaming world magazine threw a friggin' Deus Ex full disc in the demo slot. So good, thank wow. you. Um, but I like yeah. I like to imagine like the the story's over and you finish the game. And you're like, oh, that was a really long demo. I can't wait for the actual game to come out. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, Be oh so man, they really wowed me. Oh man. Uh, and then Sega Edition announced that anyone who played beyond the demo point is actually going to be able to have their save data transferred over to the nice. full release. Wow. So, no punishment, yeah. and they, they're going to just keep... Well, mm. I mean, it wasn't like they did mm. anything wrong. It was, I know, it was but... all Sega. Which, granted, that, that has caused bans in the past. But Yeah, like... yeah. It's, I'm, I'm just happy because we don't usually hear these kinds of stories where it's like, oh, some players just found something, and it's like, everyone's okay. 
yeah. <laughs> and everything's great, you know? It's, it's good news, guys. We, we're having a lot of uh, uplifting news this this time. I, I like it. I guess when Pete and Andy aren't here, we have good stories. Uh, so good maybe, stories, good content. Like, Yeah. Maybe we'll kick one of them off every other week so we have good news. Like, gaming news. Yeah, we'll just be better overall. <laughs> Lord. I miss demo discs. Man. Oh, I do too. Funhouse has an entire series dedicated to it literally called demo disc and it's amazing if you ever get a chance to to watch it do so it's like terrible demos it's so good they have a song that they sing that's even better i think they don't sing it anymore but like bruce i think sang it and like it was great and just if you ever get a chance to watch demo disc watch demo disc because they i think they still do it but also at the end they they break the discs which is so satisfying no one has gotten hurt yet except for those four discs <laughs> yeah they don't count though it's right. fine Half yeah, i got like don't about... even work by the way oh i got like, like 50 Dave... cds for uh, for these demos we could do our own show <laughs> but we're not breaking Disc them demo Ah <laughs> oh, man okay cool so uh former bioshock and dishonored developers have announced a new game called the blackout club cool terrible name uh <laughs> great developers <laughs> um i don't like that name sorry <laughs> oh it, man it is, a, it is a pretty bad name yeah uh so the the the, sean, the new studio sean, wait, sorry wait, wait sean can you do me a favor can you shed some light on this blackout club uh right in the feel <laughs> Uh, I can. I mean, I can try. Um. <laughs> the fact that you got him to laugh from that is really good. <laughs> it's a rarity. He's puns oh, that usually strike home. Uh, so the new studio formed by these former uh, Dishonored and Bioshock developers is called Question. Uh, <laughs> and the game follows a group of teens in a small town who band together after they learn that they've all been temporarily losing consciousness. Uh, none of the adults in town will speak to the kids about the incidents, including the disappearance of one of their close friends. Instead, the group launches their own investigation. So, Ooh. that tells me that the blackout club refers to these kids just having blackouts and they formed a, a group about it. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually really hyped about this. For one, it reminds me of, like, Rain from Supergirl a little bit. Like, Sam Arias' entire storyline that's going on right now, but we're not going to get into Supergirl, because no. But <laughs> it sounds really, really cool, and I would actually be really interested in playing this. Reminds me of Oxenfree a little bit, but if you splash, like, it in there, because it's just the parents, yeah. you know. So that's cool, and it's a horror game anyway, so... So, in addition, characters are customizable, each with a variety of powers and equipment loadouts. Powers? Group members, what? I, I don't know. Got group members each have their own roles to play in gathering evidence to prove the crimes of the adults, including deploying drones and traps. Oh, I can't wait to play the nerd kid in virtual reality as well as real life. This is going to be great. <laughs> so, this is, this is actually pretty cool. Uh, despite the name, uh, well, it makes a little more sense knowing the kids black out or lose consciousness. The name still sucks, but they could have, you know. It's just like at least I have an idea why. 
it makes sense knowing that kids made the name though so it's like perfectly in lore like Mm -hmm. that's great this this sounds really cool and not usually one for like horror games usually but like this sounds like something i would be very very likely to play I hope it takes place in Japan and it's like, it's actually a school club you're in. It's the, it's the blackout club, you know, like every anime has like, we need to make our own school club. And it's like, these kids are just like, well, we're going to get kicked out if we don't have our own. Oh, it's called the blackout club. And uh, coincidentally, we can solve mysteries. I mean, that would be fucking cool. I'd like that. Doki Doki blackout club. <laughs> My heart's Can't throbbing for, the for game more. theory on this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the fact that you have um, dishonored people on it, you know, they, they do, like just beautiful storytelling right and the bioshock team same thing but decidedly more dark i think the bioshock team has always had a passion i think at least a penchant for making things a little bit more dark um just through the world they build you know because if you've i don't know if you guys have played bioshock um yeah i have okay yeah it's like if you know even the the last one for infinite uh you're up in the sky and the sun's out and the clouds are you know out of the way and it's it's bright for most of the game but it is the darkest story i think of all of them um dishonored you know starts up and and you're an assassin and all that so you already know where you are but um the, the two of these teams together sounds just fucking phenomenal and then to put him with a like a co-op specifically has been coming back which i'm really excited for yeah. um we saw a way out obviously is big on that and even with Dishonored 2, you're able to play between Corvo and Emily, and it almost felt like they wanted that to be a co-op game at one point. You know, it's like they're two unique characters. Certain things in, uh, and even Infinite, you have uh, Elizabeth follow you around, and like she is like the best NPC of all time. Um, any of the things that either team has like mastered on their own account in their own games, they could bring to this uh, to make something great. And then you got both of them. Uh, I'm super excited for this. Like, they, you could tell me they were making a pachinko machine, I'd probably buy it. So, um, <laughs> awesome. Maybe you know the name makes sense, but that's the only thing I don't like. So, <laughs> other than that, man, I'm buying it. Cause, <clears throat> do we know who's making it? Is it specifically Arcane or um, is it a new studio? I I don't. It's it's a new studio called Question. That oh, is Question, right? Formed of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I just blanked that part out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's that's neat, man. To see that they're coming out of the gate with such talent, you know. So this this is going to be something to look forward to. I think you know. There is actually a trailer um, for this game. Hi, it's uh, it's not long. It's forty two seconds, and uh, I mean it, it doesn't really show much. Yeah, right. But you know, it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Uh, and uh, you know, we know that this is going to be coming out in 2019. We know it's a co-op game. We don't know a ton more other than that. But I'm sold, honestly. Me too. The fact Pals that play? you know, Pals play? yeah, the fact that we're all sold on it is is crazy. So, yeah. um, I know Pete would want this right off the bat. Uh, we're on the same boat with the two studios. Uh. Hell, even Andy would probably like this, and that's really saying something. Yeah, so maybe we'll do a pals play on it. Who I'd love. So, uh, with the announcement of this new game, uh, the Blackout Club, which I still can't get over the name, uh, it, it kind of springs to mind how much horror games have evolved over the years. You know, this is a this is one of the most dynamic and uh, innovating genres in gaming and i i would almost be willing to go as far as to say it's the most consistently evolving genre of gaming 
uh, that's that's out. The most diversity you're gonna find in terms of mechanics, in terms of gameplay style, I really I really feel comes from horror games. So what what kind of things do you like to see out of your horror games, and how do you feel about the genre that's- itself? Uh, do you feel like it's a good thing that horror games continue to expand, or do you only want to get certain kinds of horror games, whether that be you know, like the style of uh, Resident Evil or Silent Hill or, you know, do you like the fact that it can be so malleable? I like that it's not just jump scares anymore because that's really cool. I like how um, how horror games have developed into actual stories and a lot of horror games also deal with, like, underlying issues of things, like social issues, that sort of thing. That um, I really do think horror kind of has a unique uh, a unique proposition to do so. Um, so I really like that, that horror games are starting to develop into things that we're not seeing before. Cause A, it keeps it fresh. B, I'll be even more uniquely terrified. So thanks for that. And also <laughs> just, it's really nice to see, um, to see such an expanding of the genre. That's, that's just a lot of fun. And we saw it in, in movies, uh, originally, like way back in like the fifties, twenties, whenever there were, I should know this, but I don't at the moment. But, uh, but we went from like jump scares to now we're going uh, into like psychological horrors like like get out and like a lot of other uh, like a lot of other movies that are also really uh hitting on social points but also getting us like terrified of things and more of a social commentary on things rather than yeah. just you know for shits and giggles really vision of the body snatchers was about communism there you go. Oh, really? Yeah, the pod people, they take over and everyone's getting replaced. You know, it's just like they were worried about communists. It's like you said with the 50s, like it was a, a way to put it into movies, you know, their fears and stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point. And I think that uh, the way that horror has evolved on screen is definitely reflected in video games for sure. Um, I'm a big fan of psychological horror films. That's kind of where I go with horror. I, in general, though, I'm not, like, into, uh, you know, the super monster horror movies. Like, uh, like I don't really... Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, or, or the or the movies where it's, like, you know, a supernatural guy mm-hmm. coming after you, like Freddy or, you know, Jason. Yeah, okay. The classics uh, from what we yeah, would know. <laughs> right. Uh, those movies don't do it for me as much. Uh when it comes to horror games, I started with Resident Evil, which is probably where a lot of people started as well. It's fair. Um, and obviously, we've come a long way since then. Uh, and I, I wouldn't say that horror games have b- remained a staple in my gaming, but they've always been around, which is so cool, right? Like, Resident Evil 4 was one of the real, you know, like, real major gaming experiences for me that I'll always remember. Uh, just because it was such a new way to play, I, like for me as somebody who doesn't, you know, play a ton of of horror games, uh, and I played it on the Wii, which or yeah, the Wii with the nunchuck and everything. Oh, wow. That that was a completely did, different did gaming have the experience. Controls for like the gun. Um, that yeah, was the you, most terrifying part, yeah. actually. Yeah. See, I didn't. I only did it on GameCube, so I had like Gen One of that game. You know. Right. Uh, that's really cool, though. If they put, yeah, that's really neat. I could see that being really fun with the the Wii U thing. Or the Wii that's thing. one of the one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. 
because mm-hmm. it was so different from everything else, and it was different from previous Resident Evil games, and uh, that showed me that horror games could be anything, and that was still within the Resident Evil box, you know. Um, and now you get, I mean, Five Nights at Freddy's, right, is is a horror game, and it's totally different than anything that I personally had ever come across in that space. Um, and that showed me that that again, there's so much room to play around with it because it's it's all about our fears, you know, and our fears aren't straightforward, you know, they're not. You you know you don't have fears that are not everyone has the same kind of fears not not everybody is afraid of clowns you know and um, I just I love that fact that games can work with that. Um, what are some of your favorite horror games of all time? In general, like just yeah. top five even. Um, sure. You know, like pretty much anything pre Resident Evil five. You know, any of those four or even zero. I guess that's five of them. They're they're all like you know they're all the the classic T virus things until you get to four. But four is very unique. So um, any of them pretty good. Uh, most of the early Silent Hills, you know, pretty much them. Um, they're the two that two series that really stand out for me. I think like what shaped horror games that we even know. Um, I mean, especially when you consider like if you I mean just to, like get off a little bit of topic here, you look at Resident Evil, it's turned into more like an action game, right? So they they kind of cashed in on all the, the the scariness of zombies and all those things. Uh, I think you know that that series may have ran a little dry, you know. Um, so they you know dictate toward more action games, and I'm glad to see that like horror games are kind of becoming resurgent. So you may in the future, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, see a Resident Evil game that is not you know um about shooting guns and everything and that would be great you know um like we said the 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 pt demo you know for for like silent hills thing and the biggest thing about that was you're just walking through a room over and over and people thought that was terrifying and like granted that didn't do it for me but i can see why people think that's terrifying a small little house in a closed loop or whatever like the, the the fears of what people have aren't the same than mine so um that could be something fucking incredible and like that hasn't come to fruition because it got killed so um it's just that uh like resident evil's silent hill games um i try to remember this other one that i played back in the day it's not really a popular game i can't remember the name right now um if you guys want to mention some i'll, I'll try to remember it but those two series in general really stand out for me mm. i think when it comes to to horror games i don't usually play horror games because i am in fact as the kids would say a wimp so i don't i don't i no don't dead space? i didn't i played a little bit of dead space but nothing nothing too major um but the thing that i like about horror games is that uh is the like social aspect of it because i feel like outside yeah. of like mmos and the standard like multiplayer games where you're actually playing with people this is the type of game that like people would want to watch with you as well um, because I watch a lot of Let's Plays, in case you couldn't tell. And, um, like, watching it with, like, my friends or, like, my family is something that actually has happened. And it's so much fun to, to actually, like, not only experience the game, but also experience the reactions of the people around you and, and that sort of thing. So I feel like, A, horror is kind of uniquely, like, prepped for that to be a lot more of a social game than I think any other, like non-multi non-inherently multiplayer game is um but also uh i feel like the the best game that i that i've seen because i haven't played a lot um would probably be biohazard 
just because that was just so much fun. Um, the first right? one? Res- Resident Evil. Just like the Hazard, first one? The one that just came out. Oh, seven. You mean? Seven. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, even on that point, yeah, like seven is not about like shooting guns and all that. But it, what I meant by like a Resident Evil not about shooting guns, it's not T virus stuff. It's just it's right. certainly its own thing. Uh, I mm-hmm. really thought it was great. It was definitely one of the best games I've ever seen. But it's not mm-hmm. not the Resident Evil I remember. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but, that's but all like I mean. at least at least to me, it was more so of instead of being like this overpowered person that can suddenly operate multiple <laughs> guns for yeah, no reason, yeah. far cry. Uh, <laughs> you could actually like you. I could see my. I can't see myself in the exact situation, but I can see myself doing the things that my character did because I know I don't know really how to operate a gun or anything, but I can see myself stabbing people. <laughs> Oh, it yeah. came to it. <laughs> uh, like, if I'm in that sort of house, like, yeah, that that's going to happen. But um, it's just, it, like, you can insert yourself into that one, at least to an extent. And then that, outside of that extent, is just a really cool experience. So, yeah. Speaking of people watching and, and like, joining in on it, uh, Left 4 Dead comes to mind. It wasn't very scary yeah. for me, but, like, one of those things that could have, I think, really um, taken off. So there's a couple other games that... Uh, friends of the show and like pete and myself have played um this one is uh deceit it's like free to play on steam kind of kind of gives a good experience of what i'm trying to talk about here so you just have players in a, in a room they all start up everyone looks human uh two of the six people are monsters and like the lights go out every 20 30 seconds ish and and then you know it's just it's just one of those games that it gives me like a feel of like left for dead kind of stuff where it's like oh we're working together except one of us is like the traitor basically mm. um those kinds of concepts like multiplayer horror games, you know, it's hard to keep them scary because you're with other people. So a lot of times you can joke around and if one, you know, even it's like just having a, uh, another person to talk to sometimes pulls away a lot of the, the fear, you know, from those kinds of things. Um, I think that's like a genre that we never got to see like really hidden Zenith yet. Um, you, you know, like I think isn't Dead by Daylight actually versus a person. I don't yes. remember. So I didn't get too far like, into that. Yeah. One person's a killer. The mm. other guys are the other people rather are are trying to survive and trying to uh, repair generators to open up an escape hatch or an escape huh. door, depending on on where you are. Oh, it's like uh, the seed a lot, yeah. Yeah, oh, and shit. the and the heroes are like sorry, the villains slash slash monsters are either like uh, influenced by like classic horror or are classic horror. Like I think there's Jason. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's neat. Unless yeah. no wait, Friday. That's Friday the thirteenth. That's another game that's basically Dead by Daylight. But I was gonna say that game Friday is what came out really shitty. I, I don't know if it uh, it ever got fixed. But I remember that game was full of bugs. Yeah. <laughs> like holy crap. Um, but yeah, it's based off of of other ones. What's the one with the guy who who like killed you in your dreams? That one. Freddy. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare Freddy on Elm Street. Kruger? I'm pretty sure they did that. I'm pretty sure they did something very similar to that. And like the the villain is, I guess, Jason at this point. Hmm. The guy with the claws, that guy. Yeah, it's Freddy Krueger. Oh, Freddy. Yeah, that yeah. guy. I, look, I'm not up on my horror lore. That's <laughs> eh, fine. And, and like to be honest, those kinds of movies, like while they were originally scary, it's like again, those all turned into like slash fests. You know, they're they're not like the all the new Jason, Freddy, any kind of movies like that. They don't talk. They don't even focus on anything other than like kill the campers, uh, blood. You know, let's let's see how much shock we can get in. The, the fear of those things has like left us, unfortunately. You know. Um, yeah. I'm not saying they're stale. It's just like you can clearly see even in the movie side of it, like they they're not about the horror movies anymore. 
Right. We're, we're desensitized in a lot of ways. I think when they came out with like Freddy versus Jason, though, that was just like how much action can we shove into a movie? Like that's that was such a 90s thing. You know, it was just like yeah. taking over. Uh, so I'm glad to see things have pulled back to the, the like, you know, these things can be scary kind of moments, you know. It, you know, a lot of people just wanted to, to hear a cool 90s rock song and watch a Freddy throw a dude in a body bag against a tree. Um, I, or maybe Fred, uh, Freddy did. I don't remember. But there's a part where he's slamming a person in a body bag against a tree. And I, I thought that was hilarious. But um, <laughs> getting slightly off topic. Sorry. Um, just just th- those characters. I'm glad to see uh, things like that. You know, even in Dead by Daylight to because uh, yeah, I, I played that game for a little bit. Um, it's It's got some really good moments in there. You know, like I don't really like it 100 percent. It's not always my cup of tea, but I'm glad to see that things like that are starting to come out again. Um, just the return is so beautiful to see, you know? Yeah, I like how, for at least for those games, it's not necessarily you're constantly scared. It's right. you're having fun with your friends, and then suddenly your friend sneaks up the fuck behind you, yeah, yeah. and you're about to die. It's like that quick jump scare that's, like, really cool to see, like, and, like, really cool to experience with your friends, because, A, your friend's gonna be like, you're gonna die, bitch. And, and, they're gonna die. <laughs> and then you, as the victim, are like, oh my fucking god, I gotta struggle, I gotta struggle, I gotta struggle! <laughs> so, like, it hits hard once it happens, but, like, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, basically. And, and then the other thing that uh, for me has always been interesting is the way that horror is so malleable that there are games that aren't, you know, horror games per se that have elements of that in it. Toki uh, game... <laughs> I legit, by the way, I literally have the, uh, the like, the ending credit song, that one that, that uh, Monica sings. And, like, I have it on my, I, on my uh, Spotify because I just think it's a really, like, cool song but also sometimes i'll break it out with like someone who's in the car with me i'm like oh do you like the song they're like yeah i'm like yeah it's from a horror game <laughs> and then immediately they're like turn it off turn it off turn it yeah, off because right. they don't know where it's going it doesn't go anywhere but it's just so much fun to like troll people with it's just it's just cool <laughs> how nice of you i i am very nice thank you i gave them the heads up for mm-hmm. something that didn't come to fruition exactly exactly that's the whole point uh yeah, so like I think of uh, DMC Devil May Cry, the the most recent one. That game had some pretty scary moments for me, and that's an, that's more of a you know pure action game, uh, but it has those horror elements. In World of Warcraft, notoriously, uh, if you go to the bottom of the sea in a particular place that I can't remember at the moment, that already sounds terrifying, regardless of yeah, anything you're in. There is a massive, massive shark. That you cannot kill, that will kill you instantly, that just swims around for no reason at all. You, you won't get any loot by killing <laughs> it. There's no reason to, buy, to fight it. You, you're going to die. And I've always been horrified by that. Um, and and the, I say that to say that games have this ability to make us feel things, right? And I think that in the world that we live in now, where so much of what's what's to be feared is actually in real life. Uh, games have managed to do such an amazing job of continuing to iterate on horror and what is scary and defining fear in the modern era in gaming. And it's incredible to see where it is and where it continues to go. Yeah, even on that point, man, like Horizon Zero Dawn, not a horror game. Scared the shit out of me. 
because I have a illogical fear of robots and AI. And you get like oh. two minutes into that game. I'm like Skynet, you know, that kind of shit. Just yeah. I grew up with Terminator, so I'm afraid of it in the Matrix. Um, that game is basically the robots took the world over. And guess what? And I'm like, oh, oh, God, no, please, please. And, and I like literally was afraid a couple of times because I was just like my head was spinning. Like, oh, my God, I could see the things like some AI projects we're doing now doing this. And like, we're going to end right. up in this fucking world. And I'm like, I don't want to be Aloy. I don't want to have to learn how to shoot a bow right now. Like any better, you know, it's just it's, it's just like it's not a horror game and anything, but it, it does take that fear. Something of the real world, you know, I just just that's the concept that robots want, you know? Yeah. Um, to, to pull something like that, uh, I know many people aren't afraid of AI taking over the world, but, um, you know, I'll never have an Alexa device in my house or whatever, Echo, any of them. They're all going to be smashed if they come into these doors, so don't bring one in. Um, th- those, those kinds of games don't try to be horror games, but somehow can give you a nice shock, you know? I, I, right. I, I love that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, any other horror games or horror experiences you guys wanted to shout out before we close this out? Superman sixty four. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. That's that's pretty harsh. That is a, that is a horrifying experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the only two I'd like to say is like I didn't really think I gave enough love to Dead Space. Uh, I fucking love Dead Space, all three of them. But uh, it had its time. So if you didn't play it, go back and give it a shot. You just let's play the first one again and play it all three. So it's it's all good. Um. And then the other game that's a real deep cut, and I've mentioned this like a couple times in the podcast before for multiple reasons, but this original Xbox game called Breakdown um, is like actually, when I think about it, it's a horror game. Um, It's first person, uh, not really, it's a shooter, but it's not really like a shooter, you know? Um, When the first times I think they ever even introduced, like just you're basically fighting with your fists the whole time. So original Xbox title, uh, trying to do like a first person, like punching and such game and somewhat parkour it's kind of like mirror's edge a little bit honestly like like proto stuff like that um that is a horror game uh it, it fucks with your mind time travel all that crap uh you don't know who you are by the end of it it's fucking great hard as hell though if you're gonna play it so <laughs> get a guide but if you want to get a nice mind fuck play that game from years ago no one ever played it but me so <laughs> it's my last shout out for the game fnaf is cool that's it hey fnaf's a world sensation man and movie it's becoming a movie so there you go i think it's become full circle because that's eh, it's gonna be a movie at least in some place it'll be a movie even if a fan <laughs> comes out with it and he's like here's my here's my like five dollar hand puppet of like my, my kermit level uh you know fnaf puppet that i used for the animatronics done blockbuster get that guy an oscar <laughs> yeah <laughs> this man's a fucking hero <laughs> uh for me Honestly, the most scary games that I ever played, I played primarily when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the deepest of cuts that most people won't remember, but uh, a series called Splatterhouse on the I, Sega. I remember I that. that. <laughs> oh, really? I know yes. of it. Wow. I'm shocked. Uh, I know that one. I had that at one point. And, oh, and Definitely had that at one point. Yeah, that was a fun game. <laughs> That game horrified me to no end. Uh, I can play it now. Like, I, I can get past my fear now. But uh, even five years ago, I wasn't touching that. Um, huh. And uh, a series called Nightmare Creatures. That uh, is, it's even an even deeper cut uh, that I played on the N64. That really, really scared me. Threw me for a loop. Uh, and I'll never forget... 
um, in Resident Evil, this is probably the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in a game. Uh, there's this there's this piano that you have to play. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. Uh, and uh, I I I don't remember what happens, and I think that's because I blocked it out. But I remember having to play some kind of piano, and something happening that was so scary that I cried, and ran away from the console. Oh. Oh. To my dad, who had forced me to play the game. <laughs> this is the kind of household I grew up in. My dad forced me to play Resident Evil. I'm seven years old. Oh my god, dude, holy shit. By and the way, I, uh, the piano is Resident Evil 1, so you were starting right. with the OG shit, so. Yeah, and I said I will never, I'll never play that again. <laughs> and I have not. Jeez. And I will not. I mean, pals play. Pals play. Pals play. I mean, How about no? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, that that's rough, buddy. Uh, yeah, now the piano scene, I remember we talking about. <laughs> um, likewise, in Resident Evil 1, they have that giant tarantula spider thing. And uh, I'm not a fan of eight anythings. Like, lobsters, crabs, octopi, spiders. Uh, don't have eight if you want to be my friend, uh, seeing a giant spider and I'm like already, because ter- Resident Evil scared the shit out of me when I was a kid too. And then like you get the giant spider part. I'm just like, ah. it was one of those moments where you, you probably could have played the game better uh, as a kid. You just were like, I'm going to shotgun everything bullets. Uh, I don't care about my ammo right now. I remember beating that and then going to the next room saying, I have not a single bullet left. Uh, I must. I think I shot the corpse too when it was dead, you know, and it like goes away in the game. I was like, ah, die, you know. Uh, that may have been the scariest thing in, in Resident Evil One for me. And I I thought about this too. You know how like fucking spiders and snakes are the two most fearful things. Like everybody, it's like seem it seems to be everybody's either afraid of spiders or snakes. Like even even like you know, it, it's just like the biggest phobias. Uh, it, it, why don't we make a game about like spiders and snakes specifically? Just like that's all okay, it is. Okay, so anyway, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh... <laughs> it's like Five Nights at Freddy's, but you play a spider, and all the enemies are snakes. I don't know. We'll just figure something out. <laughs> wrap the show. Right. Wrap the show. Well, wrap the we'll, show. We'll, nope, nope, yeah, nope, nope, we'll nope. develop that on the side. Uh, so with that, we're we're gonna be rolling this one out. Uh, I do want to hear what you guys think what 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 are the games that you're most afraid of uh what are what are the experiences in horror games that stick out to you the most and where do you see horror games going and what horror games are you looking forward to uh in the future is it the blackout club you know is it something else uh, let us know. And there are plenty of ways you can do that. As I said, we are on, we are on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and basically every other podcast hosting platform. And if you want to check us out on there, feel free to do so. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at the Video Game Pals at gmail.com. Uh, and again, on YouTube, you can like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more content like this, which definitely helps us out. Uh, and while you're at it, you can listen to the Comics Pals, which drops the day before this. Uh, this week on the Comics Pals, we talked about Marvel's fresh start and whether or not that's going to bring in new readers and where are lapsed readers in everything. And will Marvel be able to pull people back into the fold? Uh, so with that, let's do some plugs. Peggy. Hey, if you want to talk about esports or anything 
like that, uh, give me a shout out. Um, at M O I R A I O W, Morai O W. Uh, yeah, we got a couple of good uh, articles coming out soon. You know, the the standard owl recap, but also a couple of a uh, couple of things that I can't say anything about yet, but they should be really really hype. So, you know, if you want to talk about PUBG, which is a game. Sean, or uh, you want to talk about Overwatch or Owl or League of Legends or anything like that, CSGO even, you know, hit me up. Cool. Uh, Thompson. You can find me at Relic Vampire. I don't really post much shit besides memes and shit posting. But hey, if you want to join in on the fun, talk to me about horror games. Um, it's not something I thought about for a long time, and I want to play Resident Evil now. So talk to me specifically about your favorite horror games, and then tell me how Breakdown was, because you're going to go play it. <laughs> if they can find it yeah <laughs> and think about that sorry <laughs> so pete is at loud underscore pete on social media and uh he writes for cbr uh pete and messy with an i so you can check him out over there and andy is tiger underscore millions, millions. Ti- yeah tiger underscore millions so I don't know why you would want to talk to Andy on social media, but uh, if you're clamoring for that for whatever reason, I guess you can follow him. You can talk to him about uh, Steven Universe. That's about it. And uh, I am on Twitter only, at Sean Soapbox. You can talk to me about anything. So let's chat. And with that, we are the Video Game Palace signing off. Take care. Bye. Bye.